I'm Lonnie Edwards, the founder of The Dog Agency and Pet Insider, and you're listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. This is a show about the latest and greatest across the pet world. Whether you're a pet parent or just a little pet crazy, Pet Insider has you covered. We get it. We're obsessed too. This was a a horrific, uh, aggravated attack. And what's important to realize is had he taken, he took a shovel and beat her is is what happened. And had he taken a shovel and beaten a neighbor's car, uh, he could have gotten four years, uh, the maximum. And the maximum for uh, abusing an animal was two years. And he wound up getting four months. We're excited to have Stephen Wells, Executive Director of the Animal Legal Defense Fund, back on the podcast. Today he'll be talking about an important and timely bill that he's working on to update New York State's archaic animal cruelty laws. We'll also talk about how you can get involved to help get this bill passed. Now let's get back to Stephen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Lonnie. So in case people didn't listen to the first podcast episode we did, what is the ALDF, the Animal Legal Defense Fund? So the Animal Legal Defense Fund is a national nonprofit animal protection organization, and our mission is to protect the lives and advance the interests of animals through the legal system. And that latter part is really what makes ALDF unique. All of the work we do is focused on changing the laws and enforcing the laws that protect animals. And last time we had you on, we spoke a lot about pets as property under the law. Can you touch on that a little bit before we jump into Bella's bill? Sure. Yeah. So the fundamental problem really for animals under the law and really in our society is that our laws still consider them property, uh, really essentially things like the chair you know I'm sitting on more than living sentient beings who suffer and feel pain and who we have important relationships with in our lives. That's obviously extremely outdated way to look at things. It's a, it, it's kind of an artifact of the way we use animals. So it serves, uh, you know, puppy mills, it serves uh, factory farms, that sort of thing to think of animals as things, but it's no longer what we know about animals. So that's kind of a root problem that we want to see changed. And I know you yourself experienced uh, the harmful effects of of having animals being considered property when you lost Chloe. Yeah, and we're working with you guys now with the pledge to collect signatures and push for change on this important issue. Yeah, I really appreciate your help with that. And raising awareness is key because, you know, a lot of times when you tell people that uh, our laws, people think our laws are doing a good job protecting animals. And then you say, well, our laws consider animals more like a coffee table, you know, than a living member of your family. They're horrified and shocked by that. So raising awareness is key. Yeah, it's so crazy how out of touch the laws are and how little people know about it. So we're, we, we just started the Pet Insider weekly series where people are sharing their stories about how their pets are family, they're not property to help get that awareness out and just anything we Love can do. Love that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's been national polls. USA Today did a huge poll on attitudes about animals. And I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 90% of people consider the pets in their household family members. Uh, there were all kinds of other interesting statistics, like most people would rather be marooned on a desert island with their pet than a family member, <laughs> than a human family member. There were some or funny- Or any human. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, there were some funny ones too about women in particular uh, being more wanting to be more marooned with their pet than with their boyfriend kind of a thing. <laughs> 
thing. <laughs> and it was like, but it really, you know, it demonstrates that animals are not things. They're, they're important uh, members of our family a lot of times. And even when they're not, you know, all animals feel pain, all animals suffer, they have emotions. Uh, and our laws should reflect that. Completely agree. So jumping to the focus of today's episode, Bella's Bill. Who is Bella and what is the story there? Sure. So Bella, it's a tragic story. In December of 2016, it happened right uh, in Long, on Long Island here. And Bella was a dog, a shepherd mix, 11 years old, who was horrifically beaten by her owner. And I don't want to go into all the details. Um, a very sad case, but a brutal, violent beating that left her in such bad shape that she had to be euthanized. Uh, the crime was writ- witnessed. Uh, this guy did it out on the lawn in front of his house, so neighbors witnessed and, and ultimately intervened. And he wound up with a sentence of four months in the county jail. Um, you know, this was a, a horrific, uh, aggravated attack. And what's important to realize is had he taken, he took a shovel and beat her is, is what happened. And had he taken a shovel and beaten a neighbor's car, uh, he could have gotten four years. Uh, the ma- maximum and the maximum for uh, abusing an animal was two years and he wound up getting four months why is that so the real reason is uh, new york's animal cruelty law is outdated horribly outdated as a matter of fact the animal legal defense fund ranks all 50 states every year as to the relative strength of their their animal protection laws and new york ranks a really embarrassing 33rd out of out of 50 states That's shocking it really is because New Yorkers love animals. And, yeah. you know, whenever I've said that to people, they're horrified by that. And there's a couple of reasons for that. It, it's interesting, too, because New York had the very first state animal cruelty law. So at one point, New York was, was way, way ahead, but has fallen woefully behind. And for reasons that are really obscure and go back to the, the beginnings of the law, the law itself, the animal cruelty law in New York, is housed in the Ag and Markets Code of New York State law, not the penal code where most you know criminal laws are and where it really belongs. Is that um, unique for New York? So there are, there are about six states that have the law outside the penal code. Most of those are are pretty rural, you know, uh, agriculture states and so forth. And is that in line with the states that are behind? Yes, exactly. So it's one of the fundamental problems. And so being in that code, for example, so so the Ag and Markets Code, uh, just to give you an idea, it has regulations on uh, producing hay and, you know, how you handle grapes and, you know, those sorts of things. Obviously not a normal place to have something like a, an animal cruelty law. And the problem is police... How did end up there? That's, it, it's, a, it's a historical anomaly. Um, Probably because New York's, I don't know the exact answer, but probably because New York's animal cruelty law is so old, dating back to the 1800s, it was the first. Most of the animal cruelty laws actually focused not on pets, not on companion animals, but on the treatment of farmed animals. So had so to do with because we were ahead of the curve. Now we're behind. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> kind of ironic. Exactly right. Yeah. So the the cruelty laws were more focused on you know overdriving your horse yeah. or you know beating a donkey or you know those sorts of things. So obviously it needs to change with the times. I and mean, our relationships with animals have changed dramatically. And also 
you know, our understanding of animals. Scientifically, we know, you know, how much they feel like us and, and have emotions and all that. So, you know, things need to change. So one of the problem is, you know, in the Ag and Markets Code, the maximum sentence is only two years. So that's one thing that's a problem. A judge can't do any more. A prosecutor can't ask for any more, no matter how horrific the crime, like like the crime with, with Bella. And it's um, also county versus state prison I was reading. Yeah, exactly. So, what, <clears throat> so can you the, talk on that a little bit? Sure. The, the time served would be two years in, in county jail. Uh, max would be the maximum, which almost never happens, as opposed to in the penal code sentences, you go to state prison. And it also... And how does that compare as far as the punishment, being in county versus state prison? So it, it's it's a... Part of it is it's a statement on the relative seriousness of, of the crime. So how seriously the crime is taken. You know, in penal code, these are serious crimes. You know, these, these are violent crimes, property crimes, all those sorts of things. And so you serve your, your sentence in state prison. Also there are more options for judges. So they, they can have mental health counseling as part of the sentence, those sorts of things, which is really important, right? We want to prevent additional abuse. We want to have options to make sure that this doesn't happen again, that sort of thing. And importantly, law enforcement, prosecutors, defense attorneys, judges are only trained in the penal code. So that's another problem. So we're not having police officers going out there understanding what the cruelty law is, what they should be looking for, for animal cruelty crimes, those sorts of things. Prosecutors don't, you know, are, their hands are tied. They're used to dealing with the penal code. They, they focus on the penal code. So they get these cases that come in in ag markets code. They're not familiar with, with the limitations. They're not familiar with the process. And same thing with judges. So, so it's how a, does that affect things? Yeah, so... So for one thing, you know, at the law enforcement level, starting there, it means that officers are not trained, don't, they don't understand the cruelty code, they don't understand what's prohibited and what's not, so they don't know what they're looking for out in the field. They also don't have the cruelty, they have the penal code with them when they're out in the field, they don't have Ag and Markets Code with them. So they're not looking for violations of the Ag and Markets Code. But their authority to intervene is still the same? Their authority to intervene is, is still the same, exactly. But they don't get the training know, on yeah. yeah what to look for. Right. Like, what is an animal crime? What should we be looking for? What are the types of animal crimes? What's prohibited? What's not prohibited? Those sorts of things. None of that is part of a police officer's training because, it's, because the law is not in the penal code. Also in the penal code, the maximum sentence. So for a Class D felony, which is what? Bella's bill would move the worst kinds of animal cruelty would become a class D felony in the penal code. That includes a maximum seven-year sentence in state prison. And again, like I mentioned, there would be also be additional sentencing options available to judges like mental health counseling, those sorts of things. And just so, to touch on the mental health counseling, so there is a correlation between people who abuse pets and then commit other crimes. So can you touch on that and how that Yeah, absolutely. So one could say, I mean, there aren't many people who would say they don't care about uh, treatment of animals, but uh, even if someone was not concerned about improving the law uh, simply for justice for animals, animal abuse is sometimes referred to as a gateway crime. You know, every major mass murderer you can name in this country started out abusing animals, torturing animals. Animal abuse is recognized as an indicator for other types of abuse, so spousal abuse, uh, child abuse, those sorts of things. The FBI has now started tracking animal abuse crimes uh, in its national incident reporting system federally, which is a sign of how seriously they're viewing animal abuse 
as as uh, not only a serious crime itself, an but indicator. as an indicator yeah. for propensity to other types of. And it's not just you know violent crimes, though. Of course, that's that's the biggest concern. People uh, convicted of animal abuse are far more likely to commit property crimes, drug crimes, those sorts of things. So you know, law enforcement, for its part, is taking this very seriously. And New York's cruelty law, which hasn't been updated. I mean, that's the other thing. Being in the ag and markets side, it just hasn't had. You know, most states are improving their cruelty laws all the time as we learn more about things. And New York's cruelty law has stayed stagnant because it's just it's not you know something that would be ordinarily dealt with in the agricultural committee of, mm-hmm. of the legislature. So it really needs to move to the penal code where it belongs. And and also uh, the bill, which I guess we're getting to the bill we're we're um, introducing would also add some enhancements on penalties and so forth. Uh, but once it's in the penal code, it'll be a lot easier to, for the law to be adjustable as time goes on. So that's really the most important part of this. Including being able to push for the change that I'm most focused on, which is the property issue. Exactly. As, as those laws evolve and, you know, it's a painfully slow process, uh, we're working on that. Pro- you probably know about our Justice the Horse case where for the first time we're uh, representing a horse as our plaintiff um, in a court in Oregon. And, you know, these are the ways that we're trying to chip away at that, that ridiculous property status that, that animals suffer under the law. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are the kind, you know, those kind of updates and things like, you know, states that are further ahead now have um, provisions in their cruelty laws, pre-conviction forfeiture, which means there were real problems. And this happened in the Michael Vick case, a dog abuse case, where they could not go and get the dogs out of harm's way because that would have been an illegal seizure of property, you know, again, the property status. So we have to have special laws that say, well, animals are different and there needs to be a way for law enforcement to get them out of harm's way in these cases. So before conviction, so not after you've gone through the courts and somebody's been convicted, you know, you need to go get the animals. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The animals could be dead by then. So pre-conviction forfeiture, uh, also making um, animal abusers pay for the harm to the animals so that it doesn't fall on the county and taxpayers to have to pay the vet bills for the abuse that the animal suffered. So, you know, lots of provisions like that that can be added over time to get New York's law, you know, really in keeping with uh, modern times. Can you walk us through the process of creating a bill and everything that's involved? So to, to get a bill uh, through the legislature and passed, it starts with coming up with the idea for the bill. And Assemblymember Rosenthal has, had, uh, has wanted to do this kind of thing for a long time. So we partnered with her. Uh, we drafted the current version of the bill. The bill A342 now will get introduced into the legislature. And then it gets assigned to committees in the legislature that will have hearings on it. So depending on the content of the bill, it gets assigned to this committee or that committee. We will be going to the rules committee. So that's the first stop. If it passes out of the rules committee, I don't know if there are additional committee assignments after that, but if not, then it goes to the full legislature for a vote. But it has to be brought up for a vote. And the problem with New York's legislative process is there are so many bills that are introduced. I believe it's on the order of 20,000 bills per session. So only the tiniest portion of bills actually ever get a hearing in the in the full legislature. So that's why we need to make noise for Bella's bill and we need to get 
get people to be calling their legislators and so forth, because that's how you kind of get them, get the bills to rise up out of the, the, the big mass of bills that, that, that are in the legislature. So then once the... What bo- is that period of time when you're making noise and making those call, having people make calls? So that'll be real soon, probably in the next couple of weeks. The legislature always focuses on uh, budget matters first, so that's what they're doing now. Um, and as soon as they're done with the budgeting stuff, then they'll start hearing bills. And that's when we really want to start, you know, making noise and make sure that Bella's bill keeps moving. And then when it's when it gets out of committee and goes to the full a full vote of the legislature and passes, it has to then pass in the Senate as well. And when it passes both houses, then it goes to the governor for signing. So that's that's the end process. And then it becomes law. And is this do you have other bills right now or is this the only one in New York? So Bella's bill is the only bill that we're uh, pushing, pushing through New York. Her. Yeah, there there are other bills. There's uh, at least one other animal-related bill, um, but this is the only one that focuses on the cruelty law, and it's the only one that, that we're really pushing this, this session. And how do you know if you're making enough noise? How do you know if it's in the running to be presented? So during the process, uh, if we're able to, you know, if enough people are calling their legislators and uh, making noise, it's evident when they hold hearings. You know, the worst thing that can happen to a bill is, let's say, it goes to, it's assigned to a committee, it goes to that committee, and the committee just never takes it up for a vote. So it just dies right there. The next step is if it if it gets heard in the committee, and so that's why we have to, especially people who live in the districts of the committee members, which we're going to be alerting people, and that's that's the most important thing I can say is is to ask people to please follow. Uh, this for New Yorkers in particular, so that they know when to call their legislators. And especially like if their legislators are members of the key committees, the bill will go through. It's very important that they call. We have a Bella's Bill Facebook page where we'll be posting updates and, and people can sign up for alert ALDF.org, which is our Animal Legal Defense Fund page. And we will be emailing alerts. And then of course, following Pet Insider and hearing from you, you'll, I know you'll be updating on, on Bella's Bill as well. So um, there are lots of ways to get the messages but please stay tuned if you're if you're a new yorker and so that's that's really it have you passed similar bills in other states yeah so uh, cruelty law updates are really common just not in new york because the bills to change the animal cruelty law have been stalled in the ag committee of the legislature but in other states i mean we've seen an incredible surge of updates to animal cruelty laws increases in penalties for the most serious offenses you know it's animal cruelty is being taken as a serious crime elsewhere and that means that unless new york's law changes it's going to fall further and further behind in terms of you know how well it's, it's animal cruelty law is protecting animals so just to give you an example, our number one ranked state in our in our annual state rankings is Illinois. And Illinois has, just in the last 10 years, has had about three different major augmentations of its cruelty law, adding all kinds of cutting-edge provisions and so forth. And uh, we haven't been able to get anything through New York. And again, that's because the, the law is in the wrong place. You know, it's in the ag and market section. And so these ideas go through the Agriculture Committee. And again, the ag and market section of the law deals with things like, you know, defining how to process hay and, and those sorts of things. Of things. But so Bella's bill will help move it. Yeah. So Bella's bill, I mean, the important effects are that it would move the animal cruelty provisions to the penal code out of ag and markets. 
Um, and that, that itself, uh, even if nothing else happened, makes a lot of changes. One, it means that the maximum provisions are higher. Uh, it means that law enforcement and prosecutors and judges all get trained in the provisions. And then the bill also will add some uh, additional provisions, higher sentencing for the worst kinds of like aggravated cruelty crimes, like what happened to Bella. So it's a really, really important bill. And I think it will be, you know, uh, certainly will inc- will move New York up in the rankings, but also pave the way uh, for more effective enforcement of the laws now and for the opportunities to make changes to the bill down the road and keep New York's bill up to date. And what was the process like putting that bill together and figuring out how far to push it, but also keeping in mind that you want to get it approved so you can't put too much yeah, that's a, that's a great question. The legislative process is very interesting. It can be incredibly frustrating. But, you know, first of all, you have to find a sponsor. So we're fortunate to have Assemblymember Linda Rosenthal sponsor the bill, who is super knowledgeable about animal issues and uh, a real animal advocate herself. So she was willing, you know, to do whatever was possible. But then you have to take in the realities of, um, you know, you have to get the bill passed. So yeah, there's a big dose of reality. So partly it's, you know, you're you're looking for what the opposition might be to passing such a bill and what, you know, provisions might cause concern in some sectors and so forth. So, you know, there might be a concern, say, in the, the agriculture industry that, you know, might think that you're going to put provisions in there that would prosecute, you know, routine things that happen in the dairy industry or something like that. So they might have a concern. So we have to kind of anticipate the concerns of any constituencies that that might not want the bill to pass for some reason and try and work around those or put provisions in there that, that address concerns and so forth. But of course, we want it to be as strong as it can be. So it's always sort of testing that limit. And then once the bill's introduced, uh, of course, it's not immutable. And so when the bill goes to committee, the committee can uh, can change the bill, add provisions or take provisions out, those sorts of things. So they'll be doing that part of that process. So we, we usually see a bill change from the time it's introduced until the time that it's passed. And are you involved in that process when it's changed or is that just completely up to them at that point? It's really it's really up to the legislators. Once the bill is introduced in the legislators, legislators can do whatever they want. So, But we get to, not just we, but the public at large gets to weigh in. And that's where it's really important that people are contacting their legislators, you know, writing in, calling in and saying, you know, I support this bill. I want you to pass this bill. Tell your legislators this is important. Um, it's embarrassing that, uh, you know, New York is ranked 33rd out of 50 states uh, in terms of the strength of its cruelty law, um, all those sorts of things. So those messages need to get to the legislators because, you know, otherwise they'll take the path of least resistance. But if they know their constituents want this to pass, that's a big motivator because they want to get reelected. And Bella's bill was introduced last year and it didn't pass. What was the issue there? Yeah, the main issue, it got introduced fairly late in the process. And as I mentioned, you know, New York's uh, legislature is really unique in how many bills get introduced and how few actually pass. I think there's a 5% passage rate. Um, how does that compare to bills. other states? Um, very, very low. Uh, there are a couple of other states that are in the single digits, but none as low as 5%. I think there's Louisiana is like 7%. Most states, and just to give you an example, I think Pennsylvania is like 48% oh, wow. of bills. Why do you think that is? 
It has to do with the procedure for introducing bills in New York. It's very open, so there's just an extraordinary volume. As I said, there's I think there were about 20,000 bills introduced in the legislature. What does it being open mean? Because you said that you have to have someone sponsoring it. Yes. So how open is it? It's a very open process for introducing bills in New York, and that's why there are so many, which means you have to, to get your bill noticed amongst that, that you know, tidal wave of bills takes a lot of work and you have to have the time. So that's why in this session, we're really pushing hard. You know, we really want Bella's bill to, to rise above yeah. the fray and be noticed. And the way we do that is doing things like this with your help, getting the word out uh, to your audience, and then directly asking people to call their legislators and so forth. And we'll be doing some advertising on Bella's bill um, and, you know, heavy social media push, all those sorts of things. So, and, and for anybody out there, you know, the, the ways you can help is really echo you know the pushes on social media uh, let your friends know sign up for you know our Bella's Bill fa- Facebook page or our, our uh, e-news- e-newsletter at aldf.org and pay attention to Pet Insider uh, for updates um, on Bella's Bill in the process so we're, we're gonna make a lot of noise this session and really try and get this thing passed because it's it, you know it the original bill to to move the cruelty law from ag and markets to the penal code was in 2011, um, and it's just gone nowhere uh, for many years. And that that's going to keep happening until we got to do one hard push, move it to the penal code, and then we'll be able to, as time goes on, make adjustments and, and get New York's cruelty laws up to date. So you said Illinois was topped rank. What are some other states that are doing a good job here, and what makes them ranked higher than others? Yeah, that's a great question. The the we look at hundreds of provisions of cruelty laws of all these states. So it's a big project for us to rank all the states. Um, Illinois is ranked number one, and it has been for a while. And they've they've done a lot of up upgrades. Some of the provisions, for example, just using Illinois, or the state has really strong felony animal cruelty provisions, uh, w- which include for neglect and abandonment, um, which are often ignored uh, crimes. That's very cutting edge. It also allows for protective orders that for domestic violence that include animals, and that's a big deal. Um, there are a lot of uh, spousal abuse victims who will not leave the home be- for fear of the animal being abused. Um, so you can get protective orders that include animals. And they also allow for a lot of things like pre-conviction forfeiture and cost of care bonding, which are, you know, uh, um, sort of esoteric, but they're, they're very meaningful in criminal cross- uh, prosecutions of animal cruelty. Conversely, at the bottom of the rankings. Uh, Kentucky is ranked dead last for the the 11 years in a row now. And some of the more terrible provisions in Kentucky are, you know, there are states now that are requiring, including Illinois at number one rank, they're requiring veterinarians who care for an animal that's been injured to report if they believe the injury was caused by by violence, uh, by animal abuse. And that's a great provision because vets may be the first, you know, just like doctors looking at kids who might be victims of abuse. In Kentucky, they actually have a law that prohibits veterinarians from reporting animals that appear to be victims of abuse, if you can imagine. So that kind of gives you an idea of the spectrum from top to bottom. What is the reasoning there? It's a very good question. And I think, you know, I I could not possibly get myself in the mind of a legislature that would think that was a good idea. The only practical effect is protecting animal abusers. You know, that's really it. So how that became law, I don't know. 
so Kentucky has a long way to go. When you think about it, New York ranked 33rd is a lot closer to Kentucky than than it is to Illinois. Top states we we have, um, and you can find the full rankings, including lots of details about the rankings at uh, our website, ALDF.org. And we're featuring prominently the rankings right now because they just came out uh, updated for last year. And top five, uh, I believe, are uh, Illinois, California, Oregon, Massachusetts and Washington state, I think round out the top five. So, you know, there's, and it's great because when people who are trying to change the laws in their states can use the rankings and we have all the provisions of the cruelty laws from the top and bottom states, they can actually draft laws that, that mirror those in the top states. So it's a great tool for activists any, in any state to use. And also to, uh, I mean, we hope to shame the New York legislature by saying, you know, you're ranked 33rd. That's, that's appalling for a state like New York. And so it can often be a big motivator. And that's something that we hope that uh, constituents will tell their legislators that that's, that's really wrong. And again, you know, fundamentally, we're looking at, there's been so many situations in New York that clearly show the deficiencies in New York's cruelty law. Bella's the situation, the violent beating to death of Bella. There was uh, someone who uh, stabbed his girlfriend's dog to death and tossed the animal uh, in a garbage chute, received 30 days in jail. There was uh, someone who stabbed a cat, threw them off a balcony, then ran down and stomped the cat to death. Uh, received uh, 10 months in jail. Currently, the maximum in ag and markets would be two years. They're not even getting anywhere close to that. And again, this is, you know, the our legal system is just not, the criminal legal system is just not designed to deal with laws that are housed in something like the ag and market section. Uh, really needs to be a penal code. It really needs to be, that's when it'll be taken seriously as a crime. And so you are going to keep us updated on when we should be calling, making noise. Yeah, we'll absolutely uh, keep folks updated if uh, they, they check uh, Bella's Bill Facebook page and uh, sign up for alerts at ALDF.org, pay attention to Pet Insider, and I will certainly be updating you because uh, you've been uh, wonderful helping us get the word out about uh, the Animals as Property campaign, which is also very important. And uh, very grateful to you for helping us get the word out about Bella's bill, A342, and uh, hope that uh, your listeners will help us get this bill passed. Thank you so much for talking to us about this important issue. Thanks, Lonnie. That was Stephen Wells, Executive Director of the Animal Legal Defense Fund. To stay up to date and help get Bella's bill passed, visit aldf.org Bella. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please leave us a five-star review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you have any pet-related topics you want us to cover, email us at podcast at petinsider.com. I'm Lonnie Edwards, and thank you for listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. Talk soon.